Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Laka-Report.com. And you guys can always reach out to me on any one of my social handles on Twitter at Laka underscore report, on Instagram, LockReport100, all small caps, on Facebook, LockReport.com, and also check out Laka Talk Podcast on Facebook as well. And you guys can always reach out to me directly via email at Barry Barnes at Laka-Report.com. A lot of stuff to get to today, talking about week two of the NFL, what the NFL regional combine players did in week two, and also what the HBCU players did in week two of the NFL season. And we also want to dive in a little bit into uh, week three of the NFL, some matchups to watch out for in regards to the players that ventured through the NFL regional combine platform, some very intriguing uh, matchups um, that we will see this week, and also um, some players taking the field um, for um, the first time this year, uh, particularly just one player. But we'll get into that as we get into the course of this show. And we just want to definitely start off with saying thank you for tuning in. Hope everyone is safe um, at their locations, whether it be at work or at home or if they're driving. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, to Locker Talk to hear what has to be said on this show uh, in regards of the NFL. And you guys can also also listen to Locker Talk every day on LABachelor.airtime.pro where you can listen to my show for one hour, two back-to-back shows starting at 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock. So make sure you guys tune in. So if you miss the day, you always, always have another opportunity to hear what is going on in the NFL, within the NFL. Now, I'm going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about some some good stuff here. Probably, you know, in the show, talking about three other um, particular um, defensive backs from the HBCU platform to look out for for the 2021. So, like I said, a lot to get to, so we're going to get right into it. Now, week two of the NFL was really, really exciting. Well, from sitting there watching the games, watching those games, I was thinking, okay, well, who's going to be the first person to really make something happen for the platform, for the NFL Regional Combine? Who's going to be that player that's really going to step up and make a play? Who's going to actually step up and allow me to find some, some type of content to write about? <laughs> it was almost a struggle there for a moment, but we did run into some good action. Um, and, that, and that week, when we look at, first of all, when we look at the Dallas Cowboys and knowing the way how they started off, on a rough foot against the Atlanta Falcons, how they got down um, really early in that game. And it was a lot to do with what they were doing on the field, a lot of the things that they were not doing right on the football field, I would have to say. So that was something that had to definitely be, you know, taken accounting for. Now, Greg Zerline, who's who's been in the NFL since 2012, he actually came through the platform 
2012, he pretty much attended the Super Regional Combine, uh, which put him in that rare air of pioneers that joined, that got to the NFL by way of going through the NFL Regional Combine platform. Now, he's been with the Rams. He's definitely uh, a Pro Bowl kicker, one of the better in the league. Been with the Rams for a majority of his career for more than eight years. This offseason, he signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Known that the Dallas Cowboys talented on both sides of the ball, but a lot of times they struggle in the kicking game. And so they definitely was on the market and trying to find himself a good kicker. Greg Zerline Greg was available. So Greg signed with the Dallas Cowboys, and immediately we see his pack with the Dallas Cowboys. But we really start in week two against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, like I said, the Cowboys dug themselves in a, a major hole in that game, and they had to find a way to dig themselves out. And so giving credit to them after all the costly mistakes and penalties and turnovers in that game, any type of turnover you can think of, that's what the Dallas Cowboys committed in that game. And so with a little under five minutes left in that game, the Dallas Cowboys was down 15 points. Miraculously, these guys started to come back, got their mojo going, and they got in within two points with under a minute, with um, under two minutes left. And so the Cowboys needed the ball back, and they needed an onside kick. Now, this is where Greg come in as a crafty veteran, labeling himself as one of the greats of all times in the area of onside kicks. Now, with a minute and 52 seconds left, Cowboys lined up for the field goal. Instead of bringing out the kicking team, Greg Zerline laid the ball flat. And so when he kicked the ball, it was like almost like a, a, spinning, a spinning watermelon. People had all kinds of terms for that type of kick. And so I just said that was more like a kick, ball side spin. That's what I call it, side spin. And when he kicked it, it was perfect. The ball had a perfect rotation and spin as it started to approach towards the left side of the field. Now, Atlanta Falcons special teams was on top of the ball, was watching the ball as it was approaching 10 yards. Really didn't have no one there really to bounce on the ball. But to the credit for the Dallas Cowboys, set up a pioneer for the NFL Regional Combine platform. Another player for the NFL Regional Combine platform was on the field at the same time as the Dallas Cowboys, C.J. Godwin, who was once a member of the Atlanta Falcons the one of the team was that tragic loss they had against the New England Patriots. They were up 28-3. We will all never forget that game. I went was over top of the ball pretty much the whole time. And as soon as the ball reached 10 yards, C.J. jumped right on the ball. For some reason, it was as if the Atlanta was, was catched off guard like they really just totally forgot it was an onside kick. But C.J. jumped on the ball. Dallas Cowboys got the ball. The Dallas Cowboys moved the ball down the field, got in the field goal range, and that's where Greg Zerline came in handy with his 46-yard field goal. This is what they brought him there for in the clutch, and he delivered in the clutch, nailed the kick, the 46-yard field goal, and the Dallas Cowboys was able to pull off a win by one point, 40-39. So Greg Zerline was perfect in that game in all his field goal attempts with two and also perfect in all his extra points with four. Greg Zerline, legend for the NFL Regional Combine, came through for the Cowboys, and C.J. Godwin was the Iceland cake. If he didn't recover that ball, we would not be talking about 
the great comeback that the Dallas Cowboys had. Only thing we'll be talking about, the meltdown that the Cowboys had, but they were able to bounce back. Instead, we talked about how the uh, Atlanta Falcons still continue to be haunted by giving up large leads late in the, first, in, late in the fourth quarter. Now, for the Cincinnati Bengals, signed Mike Thomas. Not the Mike Thomas that we all know with the Saints, but another Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas, who was a long-time Ram, who was drafted um, by the Los Angeles Rams in um, 2016 after his workout with the NFL Regional Combine. Now, when Mike was drafted, he was pretty much brought in to be, um, I would say, a return specialist. Um, the Rams were already loaded by receivers. So the first thing came well, for him to make this team, he got to be excellent in the return game. Knowing he was there in the return game, didn't really explode like the way how the Rams wanted, and he pretty much was sparingly used on the offense side of the ball. And when I say um, used sparingly for the Rams, check this out. The most catches that Mike Thomas has ever had in the NFL was in 2017 when he only had five catches. Five catches. That was it. Five catches, folks. This whole time being around since 2016. He signed with the band. And I know it's just week two, but he already had more catches for his entire career with six. Most importantly, which was also great for Mike Thomas, was that he caught his first NFL touchdown against the Browns. So it may seem like big news to you guys, but this is a really, really big thing for Mike Thomas to finally get that monkey off his back and to finally be in a situation where he can flourish and really show what he can really do and make a name for himself as a return guy. Now, the touchdown came pretty much late in the game with five minutes and 59 seconds left in regulations. The um, Bengals faced the first and 10 from the Browns' four-yard line. Bengals rookie quarterback Joe Burrow received the ball from shotgun formation. Thomas was lined up to the far right of the field. So when the ball was snapped, he made a quick crossing route underneath the zone, and that's where Burrow saw him. Denzel Ward, quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, was blinking at him the whole entire time. But Burrow threw the perfect pass inside to Thomas. Thomas made the hand catch, secured the ball, and secured his first NFL touchdown. Great, great start to his season, his campaign with his newfound team, the Cincinnati Bengals. The season is still young. Already, Chris, uh, Mike Thomas has already had himself a career year. You're listening to Locker Talk on the Bassett News Radio Network, where you hear about NFL starts tomorrow, today. I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Locker-Sport.com. Make sure you check that, that, site out, that site out, folks. You will see content from the NFL that you will not see anywhere else. Now, moving on, Indianapolis Colts, cornerback Kenny Moore II. In this matchup last week, he had to go up against the Minnesota Vikings, knowing that he had to go up against another fellow regional combine player in Adam Thielen, who's a two-time all-fro. In this game, I can say with the Colts and Kenny Moore, they suffocated Adam Thielen. They actually held Adam Dillon to a pedestrian 31 yards off three receptions. So clearly he didn't have his bad, did not have a good day. So far, the Minnesota Vikings have not had a good season. So they're starting off rough. Hopefully they pick up as the season progresses. Like I said, it's still early on, 
Don't panic just yet. But for this matchup, the Colts dominated them, and Kenny Moore was one of the reasons why the Colts were able to dominate the Vikings and also stop Adam Thielen from going off, making the game really interesting. Now, in that game, Moore had six tackles, and he had an interception. His interception actually came in the third quarter with 11 minutes and four seconds remaining. On second and 10, the Vikings was on their own 24-yard line. Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins received the ball from shotgun formation, and he quickly threw to his right to, to Boston Johnson. Now, Johnson, the ball came right off his hands, bounced right off his hands, and there go Kenny Moore right there, ready to receive the ball, came right into his clutches. Um, pick, had the pick, turned up the field for a couple of yards, and that's how things started rolling from there in the favor of the Colts as that defense really locked down and locked and, and shut out the Vikings for trying to do anything in regards to trying to get into the end zone. So Kenny Moore the second, the Colts came out, shut down Adam Simmons. Also in that game, C.J. Ham, regional combine um, pioneer, who made the pro, pro Bowl last year for the Vikings, he had a carry for four yards in that matchup. Now, that swing over to the Seattle Seahawks, where Quentin Dunbar, formerly with the Washington Redskins, was traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll loved him. Big guy, very physical, competitive. In that secondary with Jamal Adams and also with Flowers, already this team, this unit, is pretty much one of the better secondaries in the NFL. In this matchup, Quentin Dunbar always find his savviness to show up in this game. In the third quarter, three minutes, 47 seconds left on the front of the Patriots was facing when they was on their own 46-yard line, facing second and eight. Cam Newton received the ball from shotgun formation, and he was staring down uh, the, the military bird. Quentin Dunbar was lined up 10 yards off, 10-yard cushion, but he watched Cam Newton's eyes the whole step of the way. Soon as Cam Newton cocked back to throw the ball, that's when Quentin Ball pounced on the ball, picked it off, took up the field for a couple of yards to really show balance and show how they were gaining control. But that was not the only big play he made. He also made a big play, a big stop with 10 seconds left when he stopped Akilah Herring from getting to the end zone when there was three seconds left, um, it was 10 seconds left on the clock, made a stop on the one. The very next play with three seconds left, we know about the CLC Hawks stands as they had stopped the Pacers from getting to the end zone. Great job by Quentin Dunbar in that matchup. You're listening to Locker Lock Talk on the Batch of News Radio Network. We're here about NFL stars of tomorrow today. I'm your host, Barry Barnes. We're going to take a quick pause. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap up what happened in week two of the NFL with regarding the players from the NFL Regional Combine, and we're going to get to the players for the HBCU platform. Everyone stay tuned. I'm right back. All right, welcome back to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network, where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. And make sure you guys tune in to the Donaldson Files with Tom Donaldson and Coco Koshny. When Tim Donaldson and Coco Koshny discuss politics from the right and the left while giving you, while giving you entertainment news and guests. Listen, every Tuesday, every Wednesday from 6 to 7, and you also will check it out on Blog Talk blogtalkradio.com slash L.A. Bachelor and every day make sure you guys tune in to listen to them from 3 o'clock a.m. and 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Bachelor News dot airtime dot pro now getting right back to 
week two of the NFL in regards to the NFL Regional Combine platform. You guys can always reach out to me at any one of my social handles on Twitter at Locker underscore report, on Instagram, Lock Report 100, all small caps. Also on Facebook, LockReport.com, and make sure you check, it, check everything out on the Locker Talk podcast on Facebook as well. Now, we talked about week two of the NFL in regards to players from the NFL Regional Combine and um, some great stuff that we have been talking about so far with the players. Now, before we wrap up, we definitely want to close out with some other good play. Robert Tanyan Jr., who is now, uh, well, actually been with the Green Bay Panthers for the last couple of years, tight end that's there. And in that matchup, in that game, he didn't go up against a regional combine player, but he did have another regional combine player that was playing for the Detroit Lions in Marvin Hall Jr. Now, Robert Tanya has been with the Packers for the last couple of years, stunning under Jimmy Graham, one of the, the better tight ends that the league has ever had. Did not get too much time, but now with Graham gone, the Packers feel as though that, that, that Robert is ready to take that next step, and they start to use him a lot more early on in the season. And they used him also late in the first half. The Packers was, was, had 19 seconds on the clock. They pretty much dominated Lions in this, dominated Lions in this entire matchup. Now, with 19 seconds on the clock on the Lions' 11-yard line, the, line, the Packers had faced second and ten. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers received the ball from shotgun. The Packers was lined up in trips right formation. Robert Tanyan ran a fantastic route. And so he was able to run a solid route, got to his spot in the end zone, stopped and cut back, and had a jump pass that Aaron Rodgers saw. The defender that was gone on slipped to the turf. Robert Tanyan had an uncontested touchdown, his first touchdown of the season. Uh, this is not going to be the last time he gets into the end zone this year, folks, so make sure you watch out for, for Robert Tanyan, the tight end for the Green Bay Packers, number 85. Very excited for this young man. He's going to do great things in this league. Now, for the Detroit Lions side of the ball, Marvin, Marvin Hall, Jr., he caught a 24-yard pass um, early in the fourth quarter. Uh, in the fourth quarter, with 13 minutes and seven seconds remaining, on first and 10, the Lions were on the Packers' 24-yard line. Robert was, I mean, Hall was lined up on the inside, on the left side of the field. And what he did, he ran a crossing route, ran right past Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford's eye. And when he saw Hall flying past pretty much open, Matthew Stafford did not hesitate as he delivered a strike to zip the ball right towards the end zone near the um, corner post of the end zone where Hall was wide open. Great communication between both players. Hall got on the scoring board for a touchdown for the season. That won't be the last time he gets, I mean, that he'll venture across the goal line in the 2020 NFL campaign. So that was a great, great um, play, great, great route, and a great performance from the players from the regional combine. We're going to get into some HBCU play. Some of the HBCU players definitely had some um, good games. Week one, they just really exploded. However, this week was not as many, but it definitely was noticeable with several, several players uh, from the HBCU um, platform. Now, one of the cool things about this game that I love is that 
if you had a talent, they would find you. But they want to make sure they put themselves in a situation. Now, we know when it comes down to the HBCU platform, it's a little different. We notice that trying to emphasize the play for the HBCU players in the NFL is something of dire need. So right now, currently, we have 27 players from the HBCU platform in the NFL. And Crydell Hodges is one of them from Prairie View um, and them. Wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. Now, last week against the Cincinnati Bengals, he had a solid week, um, solid game. His numbers didn't necessarily dictate that, but he did have a very good game because he really showed his visibility. He really showed his teamship, and he really showed his leadership in that game. Really, really proud of the way how he played. Now, let's get to some of the plays that he did. Now, in week one of the NFL when the Browns had to face the, uh, face the Baltimore Ravens. He only had three targets in that game. Only caught one pass. Two of those targets were not his fault. But in week two, he wound up having two targets, and they were big plays that he came that, um, that he had to step in for to help out, to help his team win. Now, in the first quarter with six minutes and 42 seconds left, Baker Mayfield received the ball from in the center. They was they were on second and one situation from their own 34-yard line. Taking the ball from the snap, Baker Mayfield rolled deep to his right on play action, and on the run, he saw Hodge run rifling towards the sideline. So Baker Mayfield hooked up with him on the 26-yard line. Now, Hodge just ran a crisp route where he was lined up on the inside on the right-hand side. When the ball was snapped, he broke hard on the inside like he was going to cut up the middle of the field, but he turned out and up and ran on the outside, creating a separation that was needed for Baker Mayfield to find him and to hit him deep on the right-hand side of the field near the sideline. And that's next, you know, actually, next thing you know, when Hodges caught the pass, he got up and dusted himself off and hit the signal t- sign for the first down. Very flamboyant young man. Really loved his game and craftsman. Late in the first half, a minute and 53 seconds on second and nine from the Bengals' 22-yard line. Baker Mayfield hooked up with Hodges again near the sideline when they hooked up for a 13-yard pass right before Hodges was um, pushed out of bounds. Three plays later, later, that's when the Browns scored. Now, Hodges in his entire game, now that was the only time he was targeted in the game, his last pass that he caught in that matchup. But what he did in that game, he ran every last route hard. He ran every last route fast. And because they got him involved early, the Bengals knew they had to account for him. And so with him being a teammate that he is, running the way he was running that game, it created opportunities for Landry, created um, opportunities for Odell Beckham, Hunt, all the skilled players on the offensive side. So although he did not fill up the stat sheet, but he did fill up his performance on the field, very solid play from Hodges. We're looking forward to seeing him get – make some touchdowns this year and continue on this excellent play. Now, when we talk about ACCU players in the league, the darling of the league is Demetrius Leonard. I mean, it's Darius Leonard coming from South Carolina State, now with the Indianapolis Colts, the only ACCU player that was on the top 100 players list by the NFL, and also teammate, defensive tackle, Glover Stewart from Albany State, Georgia. Leonard led the team in tackles. They victimized the, the Minnesota Vikings. We talked about that earlier with Kenny Moore, how they shut him, out, shut him down. Leonard, um, that Leonard was the catalyst in this game with six tackles, leading his team 
in consecutive weeks in tackles. And then in this, in this game, Stewart wound up finishing with two tackles. And also, Leonard also had a tackle, had a stop, had a, um, a tackle for a loss, which came in the second quarter with 11 minutes and 38 seconds when he had stopped that running back, Alexander Madison, in the backfield for a two-yard loss. ACCU players doing a fantastic job in the league, starting off really strong. And the best part, it's, only get, it's going to get better and better, and I will definitely enlighten you guys as the season progresses with the NFL. Now, when we talk about the ACCU platform, there was big news this week in regards of the platform as they actually welcomed one of the NFL's greatest players of all time. And the person I'm mentioning right now is Hall of Fame cornerback Deion Sanders. Now, Deion Sanders, as we all know, primetime, Neon Deion, I will go on and say that he's the greatest cornerback, the greatest, the greatest player to line up to play the cornerback position. I know Mel Blunt was fantastic um, during his time. Um, he's a very fierce competitor. Um, he's a far better tackler than Dion, but <laughs> Dion overall, in my opinion, the best cornerback um, to ever play the game. And probably a lot of you guys understand my voice probably will agree with that, agree to that. This week, um, towards the end of week two of the NFL, Deion Sanders uh, became the head coach for Jackson State University, which is which was really great. Uh, it really bring awareness and showing that how the importance for um, the importance of HBCU players to finally get that opportunity to really, really be showcased in front of NFL decision makers now. With the initiative, initiatives that started, that was implemented through NFL football operations to have the HBCU combine, workouts was canceled this year due to COVID. They will have the workouts next year, so I'm looking forward to being there. I can't wait. Um, I talk about it, and you see me talk about my pre-look of some players that could potentially can be invited. So Dion goes there now. He's the head coach now. Dion always wanted to coach. I know he worked with his sons in high school, and I know that there was people talked about why he didn't get the offer for Florida State. Well, it, who cares? He's not there. Someone else is there. We ain't worrying about that. He do have himself a great situation there with Jackson State. The reason why I say great is because he could be a part of something very special as the influence of the HBCU is now starting to pick up some steam with the NFL now. Other than always wanting to coach, Dion always loved a challenge. And throughout his entire career, he always went up against the best in the NFL. And for the most part, he always won. Now, now he have a challenge to deal with in this situation. Knowing that HBCU is still struggling to try to get players in the league, the NFL is doing their part, but it's collective. It's not just only the NFL, and it's not all happening in the lap of Dion Sanders. I believe that Dion Sanders is the second current head coach that played in the NFL that's currently coaching, head coach of an HBCU school. Tyrone Weekly, former running back in the NFL, is now coaching uh, Morgan State University. So they're the two current head coaches who played currently, who played in the NFL, who are currently coaching HBCU programs. Now, this is the challenge. Dion Jackson State is in deep south, Mississippi. All right, not a problem. The challenge is that Dion has had to go up against some powers in recruiting there. Now, I know Dion has influence, 
I know Dion I help players get to the league. Heck, those power conferences in the South, they have influence too. They know how to get players in the league. They've been doing it for decades, a lot longer than Deion Sanders. So those big traditional powers, their roots are really strong and really powerful for against Jackson State. What Jackson State has to do, I'm going to put the onus on them, they have to invest. HBCU schools have to invest into their football programs. Players not want, don't want to come there if their programs are not invested into. They don't want to walk into a workout room and it look like someone's living room. They need to make sure they put money into it. I know it's going to be really appeal, appealing to see Deion Sanders come to people's houses, talk to their kids, hey, come play for me, I can get you here, blah, 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 blah. But if I'm a father or if I'm a mother, I say, okay, but what do the facilities look like? Can they help my son beef up? to get to be able to play on the next level. Can they do this? Can you compare to that? It's only right for a parent to do it. Now, if Deion Sanders really want to make change, I believe that he want to do. This is a marathon. This is not a race. Getting HBCU relevant back on the playing fields in the NFL, it's not a race. It's a marathon. So hopefully he's committed to at least putting the rest of his career in Jackson State because it's going to take that time. Hopefully he's committed to that degree. Football operations is. Here at Locker Talk, Locker Dash Report, we are committed to it. We're going to join this fight and make sure that HBCU football matters, and we wish Deion Sanders, Coach Deion, to success and Jackson State and the whole entire branch for HBCU to be successful getting to the next level with their players getting there. But it's collective. The school's got to do their part too. Thank you for tuning in to Locker Talk on the Batch News Radio Network where you hear about NFL starts tomorrow and today. Next week, we'll talk about week three, talk about the players from the regional combine and the HBCU platform. Everyone stay blessed. Talk to you guys soon.